I want to thank our amazing sponsor today, the Academy Therapy Wisdom. If you're a therapist, counselor, social worker, or in any helping profession, this is for you because this is specifically designed to elevate your practice. The Academy of Therapy Wisdom is more than just an educational platform. It's a vibrant community. They offer an expansive range of trauma training courses, workshops, and seminars led by some of the most esteemed experts in our field. We're talking about instructors like Janina Fisher, who brings a wealth of knowledge on trauma, Frank Anderson on trauma and spirituality, Deirdre Fay, who specializes in attachment theory, Darren Young, an expert in multicultural counseling, and Julian Taylor, who dives deep into neurobiology and memory reconsolidation. But what sets the Academy of Therapy Wisdom apart is its commitment to practical, real-world application. You're not just absorbing theories. You're learning from real-world scenarios and case studies that you can directly apply in your practice. Plus, they have a growing selection of self-care programs just for you. And because you're a valued listener to this podcast, the Academy of Therapy Wisdom is offering a free gift of two teaching dialogues between Dr. Frank Anderson and Dr. Janina Fisher. So go to therapywisdom.com slash trauma podcast. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your practice to the next level. Go to therapywisdom.com slash trauma podcast or click the link in the show notes to discover what the Academy of Therapy Wisdom has in store for you. The Center for Healing Trauma and Attachment, or CADA, founded by the visionary Doreen Hills, is dedicated to providing innovative and compassionate treatment for those seeking profound healing. CADA's mission is clear, to offer driven, passionate, and cutting-edge therapeutic approaches that not only heal trauma, but also address the needs of the soul. They believe that true healing goes beyond symptom management and is about restoring wholeness. So whether you're an individual seeking therapy, a provider, a therapist looking for training, or a member of the community in need of support, CADA offers quality and affordable trainings tailored to your unique needs. To learn more, visit chtainc.org. That's chtainc.org. All right, welcome back to the Trauma Therapist Podcast. My name is Guy McPherson. My mission is to raise awareness of trauma and to support and inspire new trauma therapists just starting out on the trauma-informed journey. I do that with my membership community, Trauma Therapist 2.0, online courses and workshops, and the Trauma Therapist newsletter. If you're a therapist of any kind and you work with individuals who've been impacted by trauma, I invite you to head on over to my website at thetraumatherapistproject.com. That's thetraumatherapistproject.com. All right, let's get started. Five, or three, two and one. All right, folks, welcome back to the Trauma Therapist Podcast. Guy McPherson here. Very excited to have as my guest today, Dr. Elisa Hollerman. Elisa, are you ready? I am. All right. So Elisa Hollerman holds a master's and doctorate from Pacifica Graduate Institute in depth psychology and somatic stu- studies, fo- focusing on neuroscience and trauma. She's also a drug and alcohol counselor and certified in yogic science for addictive behavior as well as a member of the Institute for Functional Medicine. Finally, Dr. Holloman serves as a visiting professor for film and media arts at Chapman University, where she melds the art of agenting in Hollywood with balance, passion, meaning, and purpose. In addition, you're also a, an attorney. Of course you are. <laughs> <laughs> and she, her book, uh, Sobriety, 
uh, Plan to Heal Your Trauma, Overcome Addiction, and Reconnect with Your Soul comes out December 6th. Now, as I mentioned before we started recording here, you've gotten some pretty cool, uh, well, some blurbs from some really interesting people, one of whom is Gabor Mate, and he says in this vividly written page-turner of, of a memoir, Dr. Lisa Hollerman depicts how neither drugs nor glittering Hollywood glamour could satisfy her spirit's longing for true freedom. With unsparing honesty, she chronicles her own soul's journey home to itself from the depth of trauma and addiction, now enabling her to guide many others on their own path to liberation. Eliza, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So before we get going here, I'm sorry, it's Elisa. It sorry, is. Sorry, mispronounce your name. That's okay. Um, before we get going, share with the listeners where you're from and where you are currently. I'm originally from New York. Um, I grew up in on Long Island in Great Neck. Cool. I used to live on Long Island. Really? Well, I'm from, from New York originally, and I had cousins who lived in Long Island, and I spent a lot of time there. Where? In Shoreham. I don't know where that is. On the yeah, South, South Shore? South Shore, South. yeah. Um, but go ahead. I'm sorry. So um, I grew up there and I moved from New York after college. I moved back to New York and then I moved out to California in 96 and I've lived in Los Angeles ever since. Okay. All right. So what happened? Which part? How did we get here? How is it that you're here talking to me after writing this book? What? what talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. So I believe that I was an alcoholic from the minute I took my first drink, which was at 17. And in retrospect, looking back, I definitely drank alcoholically in college and then in law school, always a little bit more than the next person, always looking to just get drunk as quickly as possible and never really saw anything wrong with it at the time. Was able to function, obviously finish school and move on from there. When I moved to Los Angeles in 96, something really traumatic happened and I was suffering from PTSD. This was in the mid nineties and no one was really talking about trauma or what that meant. I didn't get any professional help. I didn't know that that's what I needed at the time. And so I started suffering from all of these traumatic symptoms, essentially anxiety, depression, uh, OCD-like symptoms as well. And all of that really fueled my addiction. I was introduced to cocaine, which was my sort of speed into my downfall. I, I often think if at that, I feel grateful for that because I don't know how long I would have continued to drink or what my life would have looked like, but there was obviously something wrong. And what started out as fun and what I would say just party and enjoying myself and a little cocaine champagne kind of girl became <laughs> if that's a thing right <laughs> or, or that was in Hollywood in the 90s I don't know and then and then basically it started to get 
really dark and unmanageable and scary. And I was suffering enormously. I got sober in 2002. And after I got sober, my career as a talent agent really started to take off. I had a lot of external success and had an amazing career that I was extremely grateful for. But as I was getting healthier and healthier, or so I thought in my recovery, at about five years sober, I realized I just wasn't feeling fulfilled. There was still something that was going on. Again, didn't know what the word trauma was, didn't really do that inside healing. And so I started to seek outside help and I started to read a lot of books and I started to get curious about lots of other things. And that led me to taking classes at UCLA at night while I was still agenting and learning about addiction. And it was there where I started to learn about neuroscience of addiction, where I started to learn about trauma, where I started to read books by Bessel van der Kolk and Peter Levine and so on. And it was really getting that kind of an education and recognizing that we don't know what we don't know. Mm -hmm. And it didn't feel normal to me that, you know, as an attorney, people came to me for legal advice. And as an agent, people came to me for career advice. But all of a sudden, you're suffering from a mental health crisis or addiction or trauma. And you're Googling information and you're asking your best friend's sister where they went to treatment. And you're just getting all of this input and you really don't have an understanding of what you even need because you don't even know what's out there. Mm -hmm. And so I really wanted to create a company and a business where people could come with that question of now what? What's mm -hmm. wrong and now what? And essentially, I ended up retiring from the entertainment business, creating recovery management agency and doing exactly that. It was over the pandemic. Well, let's back up. So I then decided I needed to go back to school to learn even more. I ended up getting my master's and doctorate at a school called Pacifica Graduate Institute, where I studied depth psychology, which is oriented around the unconscious. And it was there that I started to learn the language of soul and study archetypal psychology. And when I set out to write my dissertation, my research was looking into could doing soul work extend long-term recovery? Hmm. And the answer from all the participants was a resounding yes, with the caveat of they didn't realize that they were actually doing it because they didn't have the language. So while it was happening as often it does, where our soul speaks to us, where our unconscious material becomes conscious, and it often happens suddenly, or we have aha moments, or there's serendipity that happens, this, it felt like it would be more appropriate if they could understand how to get there on their own. Mm -hmm. 
So that became something that I started working on for myself, what I call sobriety, and then with my clients at the time. Okay. Let me, let me pause you for a second. Yeah. So you said at 17, you started drinking. Yes. Why do you think you started drinking the way you started drinking at 17? Great question. So I started drinking. I had my first drink. A bunch of friends came. We were all going to go out to some concert. They brought alcohol. I was like, oh, I've never tried this. Let me drink it. The first sip was disgusting. <laughs> and I thought, all right, I'll just down this quickly. And the faster I drank, the less I tasted and the more I felt better. And it was this instant relief and comfort. During this time period, my grandmother, who was very much like a second mother to me, was dying. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't something that the family was discussing. We weren't creating a safe space to talk about death or what was going to happen or our fears or anxieties or confusion around it. And so alcohol became that warm blanket that sort of soothed all of those feelings and emotions that I didn't quite know how to deal with at 17. You said that you were kind of able to move through school. I mean, it seemed like you were obviously um, quote unquote successful in terms of academically while you were drinking to that degree, it's kind of impressive what the body can do, you know, what we're able to do. Um, and in 1996, you said there was an event that happened that was major for you that, uh, shifted a lot of things for you. How did you manage that? How did you, how did you deal with that? How did you move through that? So I didn't really, what happened was I had lost a really close friend to suicide and it was obviously extremely traumatic and I was suffering enormously. I was having panic attacks. I couldn't move through the day. Someone had suggested, cause I couldn't get through the day at work that I maybe go and volunteer at a at the Shoah Foundation, which was something that Steven Spielberg, after he had done Schindler's List, decided to put together this museum of Holocaust survivors and videos. So they were filming the videos during this time. And I would go, me and this one cameraman, and I would hold the lights. Mm. And we would sit with these survivors who would tell their story for the first and last time. Wow. And it became enormously therapeutic for me to witness their pain and see their resilience and the way they would went on to find meaning and purpose. Um, I read... Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, who talks a lot about that. And eventually that combined with some medication and therapy, 
I was able to push through, but that's where the drug and alcohol use really kicked up to say the least. How old were you at that time? 25, 26. What an interesting suggestion from your friend to, to volunteer. I mean, what a, I think insightful suggestion mm-hmm. to make, but you're saying your, your drug use intensified. Yes. Because why? Because I couldn't manage the underlying trauma that was in my body, the way that trauma manifests itself. And when something happens that's overwhelming outside of our norm or window of tolerance or unexpected, and that it's too much information or new information that we just cannot take in at the Mm -hmm. time our body goes into fight or flight and when we can't fight back or flee we all of those hormones and all of that adrenaline and cortisol gets stored on a cellular level in our bodies so i remember that day feeling like i gotta go i gotta get there i gotta get there i gotta get there as if there was something i could do and then of course, not being able to do anything. And what happens is all of that energy gets stored, like I said, and it begins to look like anxiety, depression, in decrease of concentration, unable to sit still, dissociation, you lose a concept of who you are, a loss of connection to yourself, or like I talk about in the book, I look at trauma as soul loss. And so I was just unable to regulate myself Mm -hmm. and drugs and alcohol were the immediate solution. They were something that was able to satiate that feeling instantaneously. The problem with drugs and alcohol or any addiction for that matter is it has an expiration date. It's not long lasting and it's not sustainable. And so eventually it gets to a point where what was the medicine becomes the poison. Was there, or what point did you say, or I need to see a therapist or did you ever say that? Are you ready to become the best version of yourself? Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support, and it is 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. No more worrying about finding the right provider or scheduling appointments. Cerebral brings it all to you whenever and and wherever you need it. To get started on your path towards better mental health, Cerebral is giving you, the Trauma Therapist Podcast listeners, 15% off your first month of online therapy, medication, or both. Get started by going to Cerebral.com slash podcast and use the code the Trauma Therapist. That's Cerebral, C-E-R-E-B-R-A-L dot com slash podcast. And don't forget to use the code the Trauma Therapist to get 15% off your first month. Make 2024 your best year yet. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Please see site for details. Going Inside is a new podcast on a mission to help you heal from trauma and connect with your authentic self. 
Hosted by licensed trauma therapist John Clark, this show explores trauma healing through the lens of internal family systems therapy with detours into EMDR, somatic experiencing, and much more. Tune in for enlightening guest expert interviews, immersive solo deep dives, real therapy sessions, and soothing guided meditations. Head on over to johnclarktherapy.com slash podcast or search for Going Inside with John Clark on your favorite podcast platform. Once again, head on over to johnclarktherapy.com forward slash podcast or search for Going Inside with John Clark on your favorite podcast platform. I did. I went to therapy and my therapist would say, do you think you could stop drinking for 30 days? And I said, why would I do that? Like, that's not my problem. You don't understand. I have all these other problems. That's not it. And there was no seeing the connection. He said to me one time, you know, having cocaine in your bag is not normal. It's not like gum where you just walk around with it. And that kind of struck me as, oh, you know, maybe that Mm -hmm. makes sense. And there was something obviously that I knew was wrong about the way, but again, it was my medicine. I was not giving it up. Nothing else was working. And it wasn't really until something traumatic happened many years later in 2002 that I had this repeat of PTSD symptoms and it brought me right back to 1996 and I thought to myself in that moment I am not going to make it if if this happens I am going to die there's no way I could sustain this again and that scared me enough to call my therapist at the time and say, Hey, what should I do? Should I go to one of those meetings or something? Speaking of the 12 step meetings. Mm -hmm. And I had a friend and she took me to my first meeting. And for me, I was 33 about to turn 34 in two weeks. And obviously a bit of a, a nerd when it comes to learning. And so when they gave me the, what we call the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I went home and read it, which is not common. <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, I, I, this is what I have. Mm-hmm. And if I just follow along, just sign me up. This sounds, I, I'll do whatever it is that you say. And, um, there was a lot of addiction in my family, a lot of mental health issues in my family. And no one really knew until I got sober that anybody was suffering from the disease of addiction or alcoholism. At what point did you say, um, you know, I want to create this business to help others? First of all, your, your interest in uh, soul work, how do you define soul work? So for me, soul, listen, everyone, soul isn't something that is, that you could wrap your hands around or that you could point to and say, this is soul. I think everyone needs to define it for themselves. For me, soul is the essence of who you are. It's the unique way that you show up in this world. It is a meaning making machine for me. 
and it feels absolute and certain and genuine and has a felt sense of home and peace and awe. And it requires curiosity and it requires darkness. And once I was able to wrap my, you know, come up with my own definition of what soul work was, I started to learn how essential it was to make meaning out of your experiences. And that is essentially how we care for soul and also how we get through and alchemize our pain into purpose. So I already had a spiritual practice based on the 12 steps, but that felt something a little bit more external and transcendent where as we define soul in depth psychology, it's more internal and it has to do with sort of the ordinary day-to-day experiences that we're Mm -hmm. having. I love the way you define that. It was beautiful and so articulate. Um, When and at what point and how did you get to the point where you're like, okay, I want to create this business and help other people? So that was a soul journey. And I talk about that in the book, um, how we have to go on many soul journeys in our life and have these sort of 12 step experiences that I talk about. And what happens is you're walking through your day, you're having, you're living your ordinary life, you're doing what you do. And you start to hear these whispers And usually we just go, shush, 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 not now, too big of a question, not ready to look at that. And for me, it was, do I like my job? Am I happy in this relationship? Do I want to live here? Those were the kinds of big questions that Mm -hmm. it was asking me. And I kept shushing it away. But what happens is, is those whispers become louder and louder and louder until a brick house falls on your head and you're forced to stop and really look at what's going on. And so as I was starting to recognize that I wanted to retire from the entertainment business, I had no idea what I wanted to do. But as I started to pull the threads of things that were, I was curious about, and went back to school and started learning things. And that was lighting me up in a way that my job wasn't anymore. Mm -hmm. I eventually decided I needed to do something in that field. What I still really didn't know. When I left the entertainment business, it was newsworthy for a moment. And people that I was friends with started to call me. Do you know a good place for this? Do you know this? Do you know that? And like a good agent, when I was in school, I would read a book and call the author and go meet him for lunch. And that's how I met Gabor and things like that. So I started to have this this community of people that I was speaking to and going to. And it started out as a really small consulting company and grew into an agency based on the blueprint of how I ran the talent department, that I wanted 
people to be able to walk in through the door of either substance abuse or behavioral addictions, mental illness, or trauma. Mm -hmm. And for us to be able to do crisis management in the moment, full assessments and figure out next step testing and have all these other departments where we could alleviate the stress and really get to the underlying root cause. So I'm speaking with Lisa Hollerman. The book is called Sobriety, a plan to heal your trauma, overcome addiction, and reconnect with your soul. Your Lisa, your, your background is so interesting and so rich. And, you know, I can feel how you're bringing all of that to the work you're doing in such a unique way. What do you think, what do you feel is that that thing that you're that you are bringing to this work that you are uh reaching out and helping others with what what is it that makes you unique do you think i think it's the combination of the various different studies of mine and my own personal experience and honestly 12 years in working as an agent and managing people's lives, I was very good at that. I wanted to keep that skill set and I was good at problem solving and crisis management and thinking outside the box and matching like minds up with like minds. And so that was a skill set that I wanted to carry into this, but instead work with people's lives and help them find meaning and purpose and help them heal on a very deep level. It was also really important to me to bring the depth psychological model into it where we don't believe in pathologizing symptoms, but instead believe in strength affirming and making what is unknown known right? There's a deep belief in the unconscious, whether that's the personal unconscious or the collective unconscious, and that there is a world inside of us, Henry Corbin calls it the imaginal, where we can tap into our own personal myths, our archetypes, and really meet our complexes and work through them and really create meaning from our suffering or our trauma we're never going to be at arm's length to the suffering it's always going to be coming whether it's personal or just an influx from the what's going on in the world and being able to alchemize that and really work with the those fragments that soul loss that we experience is essential. And I think that depth psychology really helped clarify that for me. And it became the thread through all these other modalities that I had been working with. And it's not meant to replace anything. It's meant to enrich what we're already doing. So correct me if I'm wrong. So the, the 12 step programs sound like a framework for what you're doing. 
do they touch upon within the 12 steps? Do they touch upon uh, the, the unconscious or the subconscious or, or even the mention of the soul? Was this something that you kind of uh, turbocharged in a sense? You mean do the actual 12 step program already talk about it? Yeah. Yeah. Not that I'm familiar with it. Okay. Um, This came later for me in graduate school in really studying Jungian and archetypal psychology and mythology and philosophy. That is more of where that came from. I mean, it's just another lens, right? Right, That we can look through and for me, I, I talk about with growing down that we all will grow up no matter what, but essentially what we're looking to do is grow down, create more depth, right? Figure out what we're doing here and why, and not, and, and for me, I didn't know how to do the inner work. People would talk about, well, just go do the inner work. And I was like, what, how do I get in there? Right. (laughs) Well, where do I go? Like, is there a doorway? What's, how does it work? And so this made sense to me. And so I use it as a doorway to walk people through if they're having trouble, right. In their own lives. Why? That's interesting to me because in a sense, when, uh, when we hear of addiction and even, even trauma, it's, the the almost you could say the door to the soul is blocked. It's gone. Mm-hmm. I didn't even want to. Why was that so interesting to you? That inner work, that soul work. It hit me. It resonated with me on such a deep level. But also, soul work was something that I could do on my own. That was personal that I could really focus on and do in those times when I was alone or having a dark moment or scared or unsure. And it was something that didn't require me to have outside help or I do think now it's essential to have community and that I'd love to create more of that of a sobriety community. And the thing about sobriety is it, you don't need to be suffering from addiction at all to practice sobriety, which is essentially soul-centered living. And it is about growing down and it is about finding meaning and purpose. And who doesn't want any of those things? <laughs> um, so the book comes out December 6th. It does. Very exciting. We'll have a link up at the show notes page here at the traumatherapistpodcast.com. Alisa, you are incredible. You're really super inspiring. I'd love to have you back on this podcast. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, you have a really incredible ability for bringing your own uh, experiences into this work. And it's really, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've said this before, but I'm, I'm glad there are people like you out there doing this. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad that's coming across it, it. It does mean a lot to me and it was, and it, it does mean a lot to me that it's getting out there now. So thank you. I appreciate that so much. All right. We'll be in touch. Take care. Talk soon. 
But I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And I want to let you know that I am very excited about my new podcast, The Right Now Project. The Right Now Project is about healing. It's about stepping into our own courage and authenticity and getting started or continuing along our healing process. We're all going through something, whatever it is, in this crazy life we're living. And the Right Now Project is about honoring that, celebrating that, and sharing our stories via the associated membership site. Check us out at therightnowproject.com, therightnowproject.com.